Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Oleg. Kanavola, welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Oleg, thank you for giving us some time today. Thomas, I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be on your show and great talking to you as usual. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Oleg. And again, congratulations on the award you got last month. And uh, I don't know the name of it, so I wouldn't do it justice, (laughs) but we're going to go through that. But also, just in June, you were featured on the edition of Global Leaders Today. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, You know, it was quite an honor, um, but I'm I'm going to... uh, I know you now. I've gotten to meet you, but people who uh, may not know who you are, but know your book, um, want to know a little bit about you. So let me tell them about you at this time. So, oops, excuse me. Excuse me, Oleg. Oleg is on the Thinker's 50 radar. It has been recognized as the number one global thought leader on culture by Thinker's 360 is a number one global legal coach, the Marshall Goldsmith Thinkers 50, and has been named as one of the top 10 most inspiring global thought leaders. Oleg helps companies and leaders to become the masters of future, having been named as the Da Vinci Divisionary Leadership by many leading authorities of our time. Oleg Kanabach is helping companies to create, execute their vision, maintain a strong, productive corporate culture, and achieve superior business performance. And he's the author of his newest book, The Vision Code, in 2021, which I told uh, Oleg that this will be a mainstay classic for corporate, uh, this for the C-suite and corporations. I think it's such a great book. Um, the organizational autonomy um, uh, and let's say hidden Russia. And I think there was one more. Is there one more? Yeah, superpower. Liderology plus corporate superpower. And actually I'm working on the next one. Yeah, you <laughs> had a whole bunch of them here. I, yeah, I wasn't sure how many you had written, but there's quite a few. But I, I can tell you that the Vision uh, Code is a fabulous book uh, and I've been into it for a couple months and always going back as a resource. But Oleg received his doctoral, uh, di- doctoral degree uh, from Durham University Business School. He is a visiting lecturer at a number of business schools, a Forbes contributor, and 
a high in-demand speaker at major conferences around the world. And I will include all the contact information if you want to reach out to Oleg. And I'm so happy that I've gotten to know Oleg. I follow him uh, and he's, uh, there's always something he's doing or getting something or involved with something. So Oleg, again, it's very nice to have you here so we can uh, munch on some information from your book. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. I'm glad and honored to share what I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, I think when I first met you, I talked about vision, which was part of my life. But what in, what really got me into your book? And, and like many of us, I've read many books on vision and that kind of thing was the way you approached it, which I thought was genius. And, uh, <laughs> And I, I'm just going to set it up, o Oleg, and then we'll get into some of the topics. But Oleg invited 19 uh, world leaders to discuss what vision was. But what Oleg did in this book that I thought was so extraordinary is he just didn't talk about vision. He, he tore vision apart in a good way. He analyzed it in the thinking, the communication, the one-on-one, -on -one, how to get it out there. So many things that... Um, are parts of the vision from when it starts to when it ends. And um, uh, I just thought it was incredible and it was a lot of work, but this is the best book that I've ever read, uh, read on vision. So Oleg, thank you so much for this gift. Thank you. You know, Thomas, I believe in it, or I have a simple approach. If my work, my vision doesn't impact me. It's not a vision. It's not a work. Vision is huge, and therefore it should be extremely impactful on its creator at the first instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it will be impactful for many other people as well, and it will grow. Otherwise, it's just a speculation or a dream or you know some kind of an illusion. And, and you're right, because that it does take action, and it's a lot of work. But let's talk a little bit about that, Oleg. How to create and execute a vision. Let's talk about that. You see, vision is actually is a, a beautiful thought construct. So you must be really clear what do you want? What kind of a problem do you want to solve for the benefit of others? Vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem you want to solve for others reaches its peak. So it's not about statement. It's not just a goal which could be reached. It's a you creating a multi-dimensional space for people there where they will strive. They will be satisfied. They will commit themselves for it. It's about everything. We love talking about these days about Elon Musk, but I actually created a huge space in terms of how we use electrical cars, how we understand mobility. Uh, if we talk about different visionaries from across the globe, you, we could see different cases, uh, regardless of their scale, national or global or local, it's WD-40 company with a single product 
they are helping people to make a lasting difference. Uh, Plastic Bank, it's Canadian company that cleans ocean and help people to get out of poverty. There are many cases, but vision comes when you think about people. You would not get vision if you are egocentric because your ego kills vision instantly. You don't see the world, you don't see people, so you have only your ambitions. And no one will support you on this. Vision is going beyond yourself for the benefit of others. And vision is our aspiration for the future that we make a reality today. And if we think what aspiration is, aspiration, in fact, is only a contour of a vision where all involved will be really satisfied or will gain something important for themselves. And that is goes beyond your personal achievements because achievement without people is, is not an achievement, you know. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about success. Yeah. You know, success is a short-term result of a long-term commitment, but I must be grateful for people who have supported me on this journey. This is their success as well. That is quite important. And, and you know, the interesting thing about the vision is, you, you, you said it eloquently, vision has to be connected with uh, helping people. Oh, yeah. That's the bottom line. How do I help people? And uh, some of the stories that you bring in that book, and, and you say, I remember uh, I had the opportunity to speak to uh, David Katz, and right. I, yeah, he, he's quite a guy, but I, I think I, I'm looking at my notes here because he said something to me. Uh, basically, it was, I said to David, David, when did you know that this vision was possible? And he said, well, do you want me to tell you what people want me to answer? Or do you want to tell me what I what I believe? And I said, yeah, what you want. He said, the minute I thought of it, I knew it was done. And and that's, boy, that talk about courage and and aspirations for others. Unbelievable. So I was very impressed with that. David is amazing. And uh, actually... Uh, we had quite a few talks or charts about a vision and uh, how he made it and uh, he shared his experience and we had long conversations and I learned a lot from him. And what I also miss, it's how David is humble. He learned from everyone and that is incredible. Yeah, and and I think also, and it, it, it this is the part of the book that I love. The the part of the book that you can have this vision, but you need great communication. You need it to be simple so people understand it and buy into it. It, it ego can't be involved, and you need a lot of help. And that's the other thing that in your book, what David said was about. Um, I guess at one part he was saying, what I in my notes here, he said, oh, he says, uh, he, uh, he had to say to himself, David, you don't need to be the person who will change the world. You only slowly 
need to become the person who can. That was the gift. I thought that was so powerful. Uh, it is powerful. And, you know, if we talk about how David or people similar to him communicating their vision, it's about being very structured in your thinking. If you are structured, you could do it and you could communicate it. And people will believe in your vision and they will support you. Because it's structured, that means it's already done. You have it. It's just a matter to execute it. Yeah, the execution, the action. Um, and all those, uh, those intangible aspect about a vision have to be in line in other words like you said you can't have an ego you've got to simplify the the communication so people understand it and they don't get confused and then i could see how it, it gets in line so so what's the importance of becoming a visionary leader oleg thomas i was shocked initially when i came to analyzing my data when I realized that less than 0.1% of modern leaders have a real true vision. Not statements, uh, not hiding uh, themselves behind those reports of bottom lines. No, true leaders that really lead people into the future. Because we have a huge difficulty in modern leadership where leaders are leading people into the present in a good scenario. In a worse scenario, they're leading people into the past. They're pushing people to repeat old mistakes again and again. Having a vision is showing people where to go and how to go. And uh, exploring new opportunities, new terrains, and this is critical. We can't progress without it. Another side of it, if we think about true visionary leadership, we could leave vision as a legacy for the next generation, whether it is in the corporate terms or in our personal uh, private lives. This is quite important because you can't leave your goals behind as a legacy, but you could leave your vision as a legacy. Because vision is about how to live a meaningful life or how to make your business meaningful for generations to come. That's quite important. And And... So let's say I, as a person, I have a vision and I, I, I noticed that you have a certificate certification course yes. on visionary. And, and I, let's talk about that because I'm sure that there's people out there that have all the makings of being a visionary, but just don't really know the steps and the routes to take. And it sounds like this cert certification course would help them. I can't be a visionary if I'm not making others visionaries. Mm -hmm. I can't be a good visionary leader if I wouldn't make my team vision of being visionaries. And I launched this course last year and it's extremely successful. Brilliant people from across the globe 
really exceptional people coming on the course and I'm sharing all my practical tools, how to create vision, how to execute it, how to grow as a vision leader, how to influence. So vision, in fact, is very pragmatic, very practical, and it's algorithm. And I'm sharing with uh, course participants all those tools, and I'm helping them and showing them how to work with them, how to manage them. But the course itself is important, but what's going on after the course, we have a cohort of visionaries because it's another mindset. And the people of visionary mindset, they're flocking together as birds. And uh, it's a very different way of conversation between these people. And they're helping each other, being given different countries, or regardless of their industries, it's a very, very different way of thinking. Uh, these people think future, they don't think past. It's a very different, it's incredible people. Uh, because they're making a huge impact, they're creating other visionaries around them. And that is tremendous. And actually, they I'm blessed to work with such people because they're exceptional. Uh, Olympic uh, uh, Olympians, top corporate executives, top coaches. I'm learning a ton from everyone from them. And of course, I'm helping them to, to, to make a leap in the way of their leadership, in the way how could they could lead people. It's very practical. If vision is not practical, if you can't share it as a practical tool, it's not a vision. It's more of your wishes. And, and do you have just do you have this online and meet with the visionaries uh, I, monthly? It's, uh, I do small cohorts, less than ten people, because I'm paying it personal attention to everyone. Plus. It should be a conversation, a collaboration with, uh, amongst those participants. Uh, I'm not selling ice cream. This is a Rolls Royce in leadership. This is Rolls Royce in coaching. And therefore, uh, it's tailor-made for everyone. Well, Small groups. But uh, thanks to COVID, we quickly learned how to get connected across the globe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I, actually, this is such a great tool because, again, people have this um, idea of vision. And again, I had an idea of vision until I read your book. And then I realized how much more there was to it to make it really work. Because like you said, if you if you have a vision and you don't do much about it, it's just a it's just a dream. It doesn't nothing happens and it doesn't ha help mankind. It makes you feel good for a while. Um <laughs> But let's so talk. We could say that majority of people are kitchen visionaries. I like that. Okay, I like that. Right, exactly. Um, and and it's almost like it's almost like I, like I hear people say, "Gee, I wish," blah okay. blah blah blah. Well, you know, there's more to wishing to make it happen. Um, let's talk about vision as a practical tool, Oleg. You see, I came up because my initial idea was to explore a vision. Then I said, hold on, 
But what else I could do? And I came from a very practical business background. And for me, it's more important to have it as a practical tool rather than just a preaching, you know, or spelling words. And I came up with a well-tested algorithm, which I called Caviar. Caviar stands, C stands for clarity of creation, how to create or how to generate that clarity, uh, which would lead to a strong vision. Then we talk about ability because, as we mentioned, vision is huge, it's bigger than you or me or greater than an organization, and you must be really good at handling it. If you, if you don't grow as a leader, your vision wouldn't grow either. Therefore, it's about ability to grow and manage it. V in caviar stands for viability. As I mentioned, vision is exceptionally pragmatic. Therefore, it has six criteria uh, to be tested against uh, those criteria to see how it is valuable for people, how it's scalable, how it's simple, how it's relevant to the reality, how it uh, excites people. Or, you know, it's uh, who is responsible for it. And of course, we talk about influence because influence is not just communication. It's about making others the co-owners of vision. I communicate my vision. I share my vision because I must engage people and make them the co-owners. They will clearly see that they will get the results of that vision for themselves. And of course, it's about acting. It's the second A. Because acting or being a leader who is in charge of executing a vision is not about looking for consensus. It's not about pleasing people. It's about clearly knowing and maintaining a focus and will within your team, enabling decision-making, envisioning and uh, maintaining an appropriate culture. It's quite a number of factors. And of course, vision must be revitalized now and again and again, because as we grow, we could see more opportunities and we shouldn't rest on achievements. We should grow further. And so revitalizing vision is very critical. If you, would not, if you would rest on your achievement, your vision will die. You need it to grow all the time, every day, and bring value for people at every stage of its development. You know, yeah, I, that, it, you know, that's chapter 10 of the book. And Ole goes <laughs> right into that. That just blew me away when I started uh, reading this. And I said, you know, and the one, here's the one thing they take back. I said, you know, you can't just have a vision and think it's going to happen. There's a lot of work. And oh. perpetual work, if but it, but it also gets me to think this is why visionaries it just it just claws into their skin because they're so into it that they sustain what they need to do and to keep revitalizing their image. It's not just I think once and that to happen. This is an ongoing, lifelong thing, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, you're right. If you think of yourself being a visionary, that means you already decided that you will commit yourself fully to it. It's nothing that it's, oh, I'm lucky enough to have it. No. 
Vision is a decision. Decision means commitment and responsibility. And you're already prepared and you're accepted to be fully committed and to be fully responsible for your vision, for impact, for everything you do, and it should be done in a good, good quality. Because you will be judged against your promises. If you promise something, people will take it as your oath. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you really sweat in front of people saying, yeah, I will do it. Say, okay, that's the way you will be judged. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's, that brings me to this point where Marshall Goldsmith said, he said, he talked about purpose being the critical element that motivates you. But then he says, uh, money as a byproduct. And I, uh, let's talk about that. Uh, I'm lucky, really blessed to be in Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches cohort family and having a, uh, a chance to learn from Marshall's wisdom. And you see, when you don't have a purpose, you chasing illusion of money, you'll get richer, but would you be happy? No. If I would leave my money as a legacy without a lesson to my son how to live a meaningful life, for how long this money lasts on, would stay on my son's account after I will pass away? I don't think long. Unless I will teach him how to live a meaningful life, unless I will show him how to live a purposeful life. When we have a vision, we don't need much resources. How much money do we need for satisfaction? Endless amount. But how much do we need to, to be satisfied with life if we know that we achieved our purpose? That's it. We're happy. You see, life itself, of course, it's the greatest asset that we have, but it's meaningless and empty. But then we need to have a vision to define our purpose to make our life meaningful and fulfilling. And this is critical. And there is no money in that e equation. Yeah, no, it, that's right. I mean, talking about that, that's the purpose, the, the, that word purpose, boy, it just, it goes deep. And because a lot of people do things for money and they think it's a vision, but it doesn't last. And uh, well, Thomas, think uh, from a simple perspective. If you're getting a request, I want to be a millionaire or billionaire, who would care about this? That's right. Who cares, right? Because you're thinking about yourself, about your personal gain, and that's your trouble. That's your worry. But if you're thinking, hey, I would like to make a difference for people uh, and live a meaningful life, and people think, yeah, that's good for me as well, thank you, I will support you. And, and, you know, uh, to, to back that... Actually, uh, I need to add, because um, one of the greatest lessons I have learned from Marshall Goldsmith is learn as much as you can, help as much as you can. And that is a great 
lesson how to live a, a purposeful life. And, and it simplifies it in your head and what you're trying to do. And, you know, one of the things that really, uh, if you, you need a better vision to see what a vision does, is to go to David Katz's website and see what's been created because of this vision. And he's got some great videos on people who have new lives now, uh, yep. cleaning up the environment. People have jobs. They can buy things through the plastic bank. It's just, but that's just uh, that's just symbolizes how much of, of a great vision can change the world. And I liked when he said to me, "I, I know I can't clean the ocean up. That that's gone." but we can prevent it from getting worse. And, uh, and that's where his vision was, which just astonished me. And, uh, and that, when I was reading the book, uh, the quote from Carl Jung, um, the <laughs> psychiatrist who said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Absolutely. Thomas Sink how we have millions of unhappy families because people believe that they're just not lucky to, to get to be married to a right person instead of thinking hey why not to sit down together and think and envision our happy life together and make it really happy meaningful fulfilled and uh, go beyond that social exchange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to have a vision. And it's about how I see my wife being happy because she's married to me. Mm -hmm. And that would be great. We, in a, on a personal note, uh, the house we live in was, uh, we put a visionary board of all the we took pictures of all the houses in this area. We were in one house and wanted to stay in the area, and we we and there was nothing on the market. Well, we kept that vision, and uh, very shortly, a house that we thought we'd never buy ended up on the market. But we we kept that vision board up in our one of the rooms that we saw every day. But we focused on that all the time, figuring it'll take take care of itself. And uh, but. I think when I first met you, I talked about different visions that I had as a young uh, uh, business person, and many of them have come true. So I'm a big believer in it. And when I read these things, um, like David Katz saying, putting your signature on the future while being in the present, that was very powerful. Actually, it is my saying, but it came from reflecting David's thoughts. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. That was you. Well, was yes. Oh, I like it. I do like it. I'm going to steal it because I love it. It's great. Uh, it means well to me. To me, it means so much because of my history. But but when you look at those words, and if you've lived any type of experience vision with vision and being a visionary, uh, it resonates. It's a great saying, Oleg. Great. Yeah, because. Uh... This phrase didn't came easy to me. It took me a while because I was uh, thinking how I can express that moment of transition from being here to be there. 
somewhere in the future. You know, what is a link? It's, it's my ability to make impact on the future. Okay, how we could prove it? And this is came to me as this form of thinking of when you're putting signature on a document, you're actually accepting a responsibility for executing it, that contract. Correct. Or you're signing, you're putting a signature under your marriage certificate. You're accepting a responsibility that you will take care of that family that you create. So your signature means a lot. And if I'm putting my signature on the future, that means I'm accepting a responsibility that it will be great. And that's just such a good way of putting and being committed and being serious. You know, I um, I want you to talk a little bit about the golden ratio um, and the uh, uh, Da Vinci uh, proportion, mm -hmm. divine abortion proportion, because I read about that. Uh, it, explain that to me. Old days in Soviet Union, it was a famous airplane constructor, Tupolev, and he had a saying when his team was bringing him coming with some kind of an ideas of a new airplane, he was looking at it and now not beautiful, it wouldn't fly. And he was looking for his ratio, the best beautiful ratio. And so those famous Tupolev air jets were flying across the globe for decades. They're still in use in many countries across the globe. <clears throat> When we think about the future, do we want to have it really beautiful or just, you know, just ugly? No, we want them to be beautiful, attractive. And therefore, it's about having that golden ratio. When we talk about how this construction would be robust, solid, dynamic, flexible, it should have an own golden ratio. And this is where we are all responsible uh, making it from a moment of creation, it must be beautiful, to the moment of achievement. It's all about keeping it really, really beautiful and proportional. Leadership itself, it's about being artful and revealing the best out of people yeah and i like the way you put that in the book because it caught me i had to read it a couple of times but i got it after i read it and i thought it was really good um oleg in the book you talk about the stages of vision development creation making <laughs> vision strong execution and the visionary you let's talk a little bit about that okay i think and I still believe in it. And I'm still working and exploring this area further. The most important is a visionary mindset. If And it's nothing as a gift. It's more about developing such a mindset. We all have traits of visionaries. We're all good at, at it, unless... 
we could develop something even greater and become really good at vision. For instance, on average, people love talking about problems instead of talking about solutions. Of course, it's possible to, to develop, right? People are afraid of change for no reason instead of being the causes of that change. Can we develop such a trait? Yes, of course. Uh, we mentioned simplicity of thinking, simplicity of communication. It's all about structured thinking. Can we develop it? Of course. And it's all about being focused on the future and being focused on creating value for people. All of those are, and I brought in one of the chapters, uh, 15 traits or 15 commandments of reasoners. And all those traits are possible to develop. So it's nothing exceptional. Yes, it demands effort. It demands commitment. It demands some work. You know, you will not get them for granted. But it's nothing extraordinary that only few people in the world have. That's a beauty. And, and that's when I was looking through that chapter and I realized when I went through the 15, I said, these are, this is just stuff that it's not like it, you were wired this way. Um, certainly you have to have some flexible thinking and, and some positiveness to your attitude about things. But as I was looking at it, it, it really, you set in pace the things that you need to, create these visions and work on them but you're right they're not it's not easy but it's doable absolutely uh, yeah very much so um marshall uh, mm -hmm. goldsmith talks about um comfort and let's talk about comfort and why that really works against you He was talking. I, I'm, yeah. so, I'm so glad when in, in uh, Marshall brought this into the con in in our interview uh, the issue of comfort because comfort kills. Comfort, a comfortable thinking, killed Nokia because they decided no, we're the best. Intel these days is looking for a ways how to improve because they're already far not the number one in the industry. They're not even a number two or number three because they're trying to get back into a first row in the industry, but they lost it because they were feel very comfortable themselves. As soon as I'm comfortable, I'm killing myself. I'm not exploring myself and the world around me further. Comfort is, is a barrier, is a cage. It's a huge golden cage that make, makes me dead. Mm-hmm. I'm not prepared to think. Think for a moment. People, all the 
then okay from 50 to 60 or from 60 to 70 years old in those age periods do they learn much no because they're comfortable with what they know but the, their knowledge is not relevant to the years that are coming their knowledge is relevant to the previous years but we are living in the in a time of the fastest change that humanity ever faced. So we must learn every day. But comfort, oh, I know everything, kills ability to adapt to a new reality. We're killing ourselves. Yeah, I, I, when I read that, I, I never thought of it that way, being comfortable and all of a sudden you're not, uh, you're not really reaching and you're just satisfied. And that I can see how that's a problem. Um, also, uh, Alex uh, Goria, yes. yes. Quality communication, discuss the role of communication in a vision. Um, this is my last question to you, Oleg, yes. but this I wanted to, I saved this for last. Because <laughs> I think this is where I, I think a vision could end up falling apart because I thought it was such an important chapter. Let's talk about quality communication of a vision. Hmm. You see, <clears throat> communication, you know, it's not, you remember again, old days we used to say Nokia connects people. These days we all talk about communication is critical for connecting people. But what is the quality of that connection? What's a what is the value of a message itself? How do I appeal to people? What is in the message for them? Am I preaching? Am I begging? Am I commanding or am I involving and engaging? It's a very big difference. Mm -hmm. uh, I must clearly communicate that I know where to go or I'm asking. Okay, guys, we're, we're, we uh, lost an alignment with our vision. So let's get together and find a solution. Regardless, so every communication, in fact, is a call for action. It's not a noise. It's something that should open people's hearts and minds. Unfortunately, in a corporate world, the majority of communication is just a noise. Yeah, you gave an example of that um, where uh, I can't remember. The, uh, oh, was it Nokia, the uh, phone company that wanted to do something? I can't remember. It was where they stopped doing what they were doing good, and and the and the company was confused of where were, where were they going. So there was a breakdown of communication. Uh, you used a perfect example in that, uh, uh, and I was when I was reading it, I could see on a smaller scale how. Uh, bad communication does not resident, uh, resident into a very good vision in the future or the, the goal of the vision, you know. Um, very, it's very interesting. Just one of those other elements in, in, 
being a visionary that you need to be careful of how to communicate. And I like the way you said engaging and enrolling versus the other ways of communication. Again, you see, <clears throat> I vision demands enabled decision making because and my I must be clear communicating where we go. People are free when they know where to go. If my communication is not clear, people wouldn't understand where to go, and they're not free. They can't make decisions because they don't know. And this is very important. So I'm communicating a clear direction. Uh, Stuart Craner, in your book, you mentioned yeah. that he says the biggest problem history suggests is communication. I think corporate history is littered with companies who had brilliant strategies and brilliant ideas and brilliant visions, but didn't have the leaders who could communicate them well. Yeah. Wow. And because, again... And it uh, again came from Stuart Greiner, a great insight uh, that we inherited from corporate world from 50s and 60s, you know, that all things must be certain. We're communicating only figures or something like that. So we are the corporate communication is not set to inspire people, is set to frame people, you know, to put them into reports format. And this is not good at all. No, no. Because reports again, today report is a reflection of all the previous effort, but it doesn't show that how what things would how things would go in the next period of time. And it's, it has a lot, bad communication also has a lot to do with the ego um, that you talk about, you know, uh, and it does, to be effective, you need to have humility. Um, this is just a, an amazing book. Um, although I'm going to wrap it up, but I have to tell you, if, if you're a business leader, a person who wants to make their life uh, better, have purpose, uh, look at the future, the way you want to see it. Uh, this is this is definitely the the best book I've ever read. And Oleg, you did such a fantastic job in this book. I just can't tell you enough. I tell you that all the time, but um, and you haven't paid me yet, but that's all right. Um, but it's a great book. It's called The Vision Code, uh, forwarded by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, Oleg, is there anything you'd like to leave behind as a message before I close the show? But let me say this. I will have Oleg's communication contact information available in the show notes, and uh, you could reach out to him. But Oleg, anything else you'd like to discuss? You know, we have uh, an issue in leadership these days. I call this issue and discuss this issue in, uh, in the vision code. I call it a mind lock. We are thinking too much about the past, very little about the present, and almost nothing about the future. 
And what's the problem? When we travel across continents, we are facing jet lag, but our biological clocks are fixing this within a matter of days. But when we are thinking too much about the past, we can't create a positive future. And if you want to think about living a happy life or running a successful business, you must think about the future. So aim today is to close this mind lock towards the future. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, yes, you're welcome. That's a great way of the mind lock. I, and I agree with you. Too much emphasis on the past maybe the present, not enough on the future. Oleg, thank you so much for taking your time. I'm honored to have you on the podcast and best of luck and keep getting those awards. Thank you very much. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like, uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes. <laughs>